all we have is you. We are totally and completely dependent on you and your work on the cross for us. We just thank you for the grace you just continue to show us. Lord, be glorified and lifted high, magnified in this service. Speak to our hearts, we pray, as the word comes in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Would you guys take your seats? Well, good morning. morning. Always a smile to be able to come up here and preach after worship. I'm just thinking of how incredible worship is going to be in heaven. We get to experience some of these things down here. Would you pray with me? God, we do praise you for who you are. God, we thank you that we can come to you in worship. What a joy. God, what a privilege that is. God, we thank you for drawing us near to you. God, we thank you for your love and for your grace, your forgiveness, for what you've done on the cross for us. God, we pray this morning that we may be open to you, open to what you have to teach us, open to encourage us, to challenge us, to convict us, ultimately to bring us into a closer relationship with you. God, help us to become followers of Jesus Christ in every area of our life. God, we thank you for this body here. We thank you for your blood. May you be with us in this service. May you use the preaching of the word to change hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, beginning in Matthew chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 6, we've been systematically kind of going through Matthew, and we saw from the very beginning, Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, where Jesus kind of talks with us about our giving. And then we go into verse 5, and we've looked at prayer, about how we are to pray, how we're to do that in secret, what we are to pray for. Then we looked at um, the model prayer, also known as sometimes the Lord's Prayer, but we know that that's the model prayer. Then we kind of moved through verse 16, and we looked at fasting last week. And today we're going to be looking at Verse 19, verse 19, and there's two commands that we're going to see this morning, two things that Jesus tells us in verse 19 and 20, and I only want to take those two, and then we're going to build upon the message from that. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, and beginning in the beginning of verse 19, he says this, do not, so we know this is a commandment, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Paul's there. So he's given us a commandment to do not do this thing. And then we see in verse 20 where he says, but do this, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So he's given us two things to do. Do not do this. And then he goes into the next verse and says, do this. And the nice thing about Jesus is he doesn't just say, because I said so. Kind of how parents' answers are when the children, because I said so. He actually goes to explain why don't do this thing and why you should do this. So we're going to kind of break that down. But before we do, we need to look at a key word here. And that word is treasure. It talks about do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth. And do not lay up for yourselves or lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. So treasure, according to the dictionary, is accumulated or stored wealth in the form of money, jewels, or other valuables. Second definition of it, a valuable or precious possession of any kind. And third, 
one, so a person, considered especially precious or valuable. Point number one that we need to see here this morning is Jesus is understanding there are in fact two different treasures. And many times I think in the Christian life, we think that there's only this heavenly treasure and everything else really isn't that big of a struggle for us. But Jesus is saying there are in fact two treasures. There's earthly treasure and there is heavenly treasure. And he's not downplaying earthly treasure. He knows it's our natural temptation to pursue earthly treasure. Earthly treasure could be wealth. It could be a job status, lustful desires. It can be an addiction, a home, a car, or even enjoyable hobbies. And there is extreme danger in us not realizing how tempting earthly desire really is. That leads to point number two. Earthly treasure is desirable. Earthly treasure is desirable. It's not as if we see two treasures and we automatically are like, oh, that one's That one's not anything. We're going to pursue heavenly treasure. No, Jesus is saying earthly treasure, it can give you fulfillment. Did you know that? Earthly treasure, it can fill us up. It can give us fulfillment. It can provide happiness for us. And many times we have the the Christian lingo where we say, but it's not true happiness, right? It's not true joy. It's not true fulfillment. There are plenty of people living this life for earthly treasure and they are having a lot of fun, right? And Jesus is saying, you have two choices here. And he goes on to explain why one is a horrible choice and why one is an incredible choice. And we only know as a follower of Jesus Christ why heavenly treasure is incredible. And we find true fulfillment in Jesus Christ. But the world finds happiness. The world finds all these things in their treasure. So Jesus is saying there's two treasures. And earthly treasure is very desirable. And unfortunately, it's true. We can gain immediate fulfillment in earthly treasure. I want us to look in verse 19a, the the part that we read, and there's a very specific word in there. And it says this, do not lay up for who? Yourselves. So Jesus is not saying it's not about you can't have any money or you, you can't have a nice house, or you can't have this in your account. He's saying, you don't store it up for yourselves. So who should you store it up for? Others. You store it up for others, and you store it up for glorifying God. Jesus is warning us here in this verse about who? Us. He's saying, listen, do not do this for yourself, because that's going to be your natural inclination to do. Your natural inclination is going to be to store this up for yourselves. But don't do it for yourselves. Do it for the purpose of others and for glorifying God. And he goes on, instead of just because I said so, he goes on to actually tell us why. And we're going to see that. And this leads us to point number three. Earthly treasure does not last. Earthly treasure does not last. Let's look at the rest of verse 19. It says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Now, I don't know about you, but we don't have a moth problem in our, in our home that come and eat our clothes when we wake up on Sunday morning. When I went to bed last night and I knew I was going to wear this, I wasn't worried that when I woke up there's going to be holes in it. Okay? But Jesus, this was very practical illustrations. So I want to go through some of these illustrations and we're going to try to relate to today from their culture. So first, clothing. In biblical times, they stored their wealth in clothing. 
Sometimes they would actually even have gold sewn into their clothing to preserve wealth. That's how they preserved some of their money. And there was, the finest clothing was wool. Well, it's a favorite for moths and insects to eat. And there was no place to keep it safe. They lived in houses that didn't have good seals. So Jesus is saying, listen, if you put it in clothes, you know that it's just going to be eaten away. And this word rust, your, your Bible might even have a translation of vermin or rats. But the key word there, it actually talks about anything that eats away at something. So it could be the weather eating away at something. It could be rust eating away at metal. It could be rats eating away at food. So he's saying, listen, anything that's eating away, you could take your money and you could automatically buy food and store it away. And then you're provided safety, right? And Jesus is saying, no, you know that you can't hide your food from rats. They get into everything. Even today, we have some issues with that. And their standards were not like our standards. So he's saying, food, there's no safety. Clothing, there's no security. Buildings, they didn't have buildings that were built from stone and rock and metal like we do. They had clay huts that they built. They built them out of clay walls with sticks in the walls. And so their buildings, after time, they'd have to rebuild them all the time from the sun and the rain. So maybe they can transfer their wealth or their money into gold or jewelry, right? They can work and then they can transfer that wealth into that, maybe provide security. Well, he goes in and says, thieves break in and steal. Their homes were made of clay. It's not hard to go through a clay wall if you want something. And all the time, thieves would break through clay walls and where, where are you going to hide your stuff in your home? Either one, you had to hide it in something, which thieves knew where to look, or you bury it in the floor. And they would actually bury it in the floor. And so their, their floors were dirt. So they would have to dig, and thieves knew this. Also, they could maybe go and bury it in a field. But there's people walking all along the countryside. So people walking, you see a, a, a nice little pile that something's been dug. They dig it up. What's been buried there? People used to dig up and try to find things all the time. So Jesus is saying, listen, there's no safe place for your money. Except, and he gets into it here shortly. So they didn't have metal vaults. They didn't have safe deposit boxes. Their homes were easily broken into. And I started thinking through this. And I said, man, it really sounds easy for them to not try to store their wealth on earth. Because there's no, there's no security. And this leads to point number four. Earthly security is a false sense of security. Earthly security is a false sense of security. I mean, I want you to think about this. Because they didn't have that security. So that easily led them to maybe put their money in heavenly treasure. It's even harder for us today. And I want us to look why. In our day, we have insured bank accounts, right? You put your money in. Even if a thief breaks in and steals it, it's insured. Your home is insured. You can have a safe in your home bolted to the floor and bolted to the wall that weighs a thousand pounds. So even if a thief does break in, it's going to take him a long time if he's ever going to be able to get into that, right? I mean, we have so much security. We have home security systems. We have life insurance plans. If something happens to me or something happens to my wife or your spouse, right? That's going to provide just in case. They didn't have these things. They didn't have banks. So for us, this led me to a question. 
Do you think that this access to increased security makes it easier or makes it harder for us to store up our treasure on earth? This access that we have, which is great, do you think it makes it easier for us or harder? Easier, right? It's a lot easier to store up our treasure on earth because there's, there's safety. We have safety, security in our stuff. I want you to imagine your life with absolutely no security. You wake up, you're not sure if your clothes are going to be in, in how they were when you went to bed, right? You're not sure. Next time you go out to the barn, you have a barn in this illustration. Next time you go out to the barn, if there's going to be food there or if it's spoiled from mold. You're not sure when you open the cabinets that there's going to be food. Maybe somebody took it. Your bank account is at zero. You're not sure where you're getting food for that day. There's no way for you to safely provide for your family. It's up in the air. If you lived your life like that, do you think you would have more faith in God or less? More faith, right? More faith. And the question we need to be asking, and I know for me, this is a definite yes, unfortunately. But my faith in God should be the same no matter if I have plenty or if I'm in need. That's how our life should be. So Jesus is getting to a heart issue here. And I have been struggling with this all week in my office, okay? So I know for us on a Sunday morning to get this, we'll be struggling with it. But he's been mopping my office floor with me um, in regards to these passages, really questioning what I'm about, What are we about? And he goes in, and I know my life is based on Jesus Christ. I have assurance of my salvation. I know the work he's done for me, saving me of my sins. And then for me to be able to say yes to that. If if everything, if I had no assurance, I'd trust in him more. Why don't I have that much trust now? I've trusted him with eternity. My eternity. And I can't trust him with some small things. They seem very, very big to me. And I want us to look at a passage, James chapter 4. James chapter 4 looks into this. So James chapter 4, verse 13, if you'd um, turn with me there. James 4, 13 talks about this very thing, no assurance. It says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town, spend a year there, trade and make a profit. Yet you do know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is your boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Proverbs 27.1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what the day may bring. We know this from Scripture. We're not promised tomorrow. Yet we still live our life like we're in control. Like we have security. There's things that we trust in. And we many times go outside of our trust in God and we trust in things. And Jesus is trying to show us. He's trying to teach us. That we shouldn't do that. Ultimately, all of our faith and trust is in him, not our personal possessions. Um, Kent Hughes, for those of you who may know him, incredible man of God with a ministry. 
He shared a story of an old miser. And, and this miser was determined to take his money with him to the grave. And so at his deathbed, he called together his doctor, his lawyer, and his minister. And he called these three men together. And he, he said, they say you can't take it with me, but I'm going to try. And he gave each of them an envelope of $30,000. And he said, as soon as they're lowering me into the ground, I want each of you with that $30,000 cash to throw it in. And as they're covering me up, I'm taking it with me. Nobody else is having it. So the day comes, the, the man passed away. And as they were lowering him in, they grabbed the envelopes, they, they threw it in the ground. And on the way home, the minister, he uh, broke down and said, guys, I, I just have to confess, God's been working in my heart. I, I really needed the money for the church. So I took out $10,000 and I only threw in twenty. And the doctor said, my law practice was really, or the doctor said, I, I'm building a clinic and, and I really need the money to get this thing started. So I took out 20000 and, and only threw ten. And the lawyer looked at the two gentlemen and said, gentlemen, I am ashamed of both of you. I threw in a personal check for the full amount. <laughs> but the, the point of the story is these men materialism, right? Even though he had a plan... The materialism still took advantage of it. And the three men that he entrusted still worked the system to try to gain materialistic things. Job rightly said in the Bible, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. We're about to have a child. We have so much stuff that this kid is not coming into the world naked. Okay? <laughs> We're looking through it yesterday. Incredible blessings, but we're like overwhelmed with the different sizes. And we have like 60 of this size. And we're like, what do we do with this? So I was reading this and I'm like, our kid is not coming into this world naked. They have a lot of stuff already. But what a blessing that is that God provides these things for us. What a blessing it is that he has overly given us such an abundance of things. But many times we can transfer some of that security into earthly treasures. He goes on to state there's a better option. And I want us to look in verse 20. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Finishing the verse, he says, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves break in and steal. This leads to point number five. Jesus is calling us to transfer our perishable earthly treasure to imperishable heavenly treasure. This makes perfect business sense, right? This is destined to lose value, earthly treasure. It's destined to be destroyed, destined you're not going to be able to take it with you. Why would we not transfer that over to the eternal, the heavenly? It makes perfect business sense, but we have a heart issue that many times does not allow us to do that. And we're going to look at this. Verse 21, he goes on and he summarizes, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. As is common in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is addressing heart issues, our heart issues. We all have them, and he's trying to get to the basis of our heart. Now, heart in the Bible, it doesn't mean like how we normally use heart, like a feeling or affection or a love. Heart means the center of who you are, your core, your inner man is your heart. So he's saying where your treasure is, that's your core, where your treasure is. And this goes to point number six. The location of our treasure reveals the condition of our heart. 
The location of our treasure reveals the condition of our heart. And Jesus is not saying, okay, we have this treasure. And if we put the treasure in the right things, all of a sudden our heart is going to be there. That's not what he's saying. He's in fact saying where your treasure is right now shows the condition of your heart. So a question that he's been having me ask myself, and I think we should all ask ourselves, is where is our treasure at right now, today? What are we treasuring and where is it at? And some questions that we can begin to find out what our treasure is, is this. What do you spend your time thinking about? Right? What do you spend your time thinking about? What do you spend your time worrying about? If there's something you worry about all the time, it's on your mind. It's a treasure. It's a treasure to you. What do you have a hard time giving up? Think through these things. What do you have a hard time giving up? Here's one. What do we do with the majority of our free time? When we have free time, we can't wait to go do blank. And God's just been working with me in all of these areas. There are so many better answers to what I had than what I could have had. What do I do with the majority of my free time? A good answer there would be something about glorifying God. Can't wait to spend time with him. Can't wait to spend fellowship with Christian brothers and sisters. Time in worship, right? But instead, it's many other things. And all of these things, he's getting to the heart issue. Where your treasure at reveals the condition of your heart. And God is so gracious and loving that he... He knows we're in this state and he, he's wanting to teach us. Listen, all of us should be encouraged with these type of messages because God is seeing fit to change us, to grow us. And so when I'm confronted with this, it's not, oh, man. No, it's God. Thank you for loving me anyways and allowing me to grow even when I'm so far from where I need to be. Even when I don't treasure the things I need to be treasuring, that you have treasured me and you show me what true treasure is. You show me what true love is. And he has graciously done these things. So don't be too hard on yourself, but accurately see yourself how he sees you and begin to change and become more Christ-like. There's a a perfect picture in scripture and we're going to look at two passages. One is Matthew 19. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew 19. And it illustrates that the location of our treasure reveals the condition of our heart. Matthew 19. It says this, Behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, What good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept. What do I still lack? So Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, then go, sell what you possess, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Now what we need to see from this passage is God is not against us having wealth. He's not against us having stuff. He's not against us having toys. But he is against our attitude towards desiring it. Right? It's not against those things, but against our attitude. He's saying, watch out for yourself. Watch out for yourself. And there are many, many, many wealthy people in the Bible. There are many people that have a lot of things. And he wasn't against those things. But in this passage, this young man was. And Jesus was getting to a heart issue. Jesus could care less about our money and our finances and our home and all of our treasures. But he cares about your attitude towards those things. What you treasure. So we're going to look into this. A question we need to be asking ourselves is the same question Jesus asked this man. And that question is this. Is there anything in your life, anything at all that you are unwilling to give up if God asked you to? I want you to think about that for a moment. If God said, I want you to give this up forever. Is there anything in your life that you would be unwilling to do that with? And as I'm sitting in my office, I began thinking about this. What if God called me to blank? I shouldn't be having my security in these things anyways, right? So what if God did say, sell your house, give, give everything you have, sell it all, give it away. I want you to have nothing in your bank account. I want you to have one set of clothes and pursue me. It's a question we need to be asking ourselves. That's what Jesus demanded of this man. And our immediate response, and I know what you're thinking because I am too, right? He didn't tell me to do that. He didn't ask me to do these things, so I can think about that hypothetically, but he really didn't ask me to do that. So we kind of let ourselves off the hook without really thinking the implications of what that could look like. And so you're right. He didn't ask you to sell your house and he didn't ask you to give over some of this money or to quit your job. He didn't ask you to do any of those things. He asked us as Christians to do much more than that. And this is where in the Christian life, the rubber really meets the road about what we say we believe in. Let's turn to Luke chapter 9. This is Jesus speaking to all of us. And again... Church, we should be encouraged with these things. As I was in my office this week struggling, I've had a week of struggling, okay? You're just getting an hour on Sunday morning of this stuff. It's good. It's good stuff. So Luke chapter 9, verse 25, it says this. Oh, wait a minute. There's still some pages turning here. Now great crowds accompanied him, and Jesus turned to say to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. This means that your hatred for them fails to compare for your love towards God. It says, Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king at war, will not first sit down and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 men to come against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great far distance off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. 
Verse 33. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. So he's not just asking us to give up some things. Jesus is actually saying we as followers of him should be willing to give up everything. And I know that that is a very tough thought. No one ever talked with me about the costliness. The costliness of following Jesus Christ. I just heard all of the good things and all of those are true. And even the costliness is worth it. Listen, I have entrusted him. And if you're a follower of Christ, you have entrusted him with eternity. The things here on earth, they're going to perish. And God is the one who takes care of your needs. Not the things we put our trust in. And so, little by little, God is wanting to remove these things from our life. Or at least our attitude and our desire. We can still have these things, but he wants to transfer our heart to really loving him and not loving the things he's provided for us. So I've been thinking about this a lot. I, have, I don't have extreme wealth. I don't have wealth really at all. So I can't say extreme. I don't have wealth at all. I haven't been investing for years and years to have this, but I have things I've worked for. I have things I've pursued I have a home and I have a family. I have very many things I could treasure. And as do all of us. But Jesus Christ, the one who came, who took the wrath of God for you. The wrath of God for your sins. The wrath of God for my sins. All of my stuff pales in comparison to the gifts he has already given us. It pales in comparison. And when we focus on, I can't get rid of this, we're not focusing on what he has given us. And Jesus is trying to show us our heart issue about what our treasure is. We have to be focused on the right thing. And that focus comes when we focus on the person of Jesus Christ. Death, burial, resurrection, the things he has done for you. I want us just to take a moment. Take a moment and think what he's done for you satisfied the wrath of God for your sin, your rebellion that you knew and that I knew we did against God. He continually forgave that, forgives all of your future trespasses. And he's just asking that we come to him and we forsake everything and we say, it's all about you. Thank you that I can have trust in you. Thank you for faith. Thank you for your word. Thank you for worship. Thank you for brothers and sisters in Christ that I can lean on, that I can rely on. Thank you for a church. Thank you for my family. All of these things. So I've been thinking about this a lot and I know there's a lot of areas that God is working and changing me. I want my life with hands open saying, God, you give, you take away. I want my finances to be about you. I want my time because this isn't just a message on your money. I want my time to be about you. I want my words, what I say throughout my day to be about you. My treasure. I want my family to be focused on you. All of those things he's trying to get at. And I want us to look at this interaction with this young man that Jesus had. The man came to him and said, Jesus, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to be right with you? And Jesus gave him a list. And the man said, I kept the list. And then Jesus said, if you really, really want to follow after me. And then, did Jesus give him one thing or a bunch of things, right? The man came and said, what one thing do I need to do? That's like 
If you're married or, you know, you're a son or daughter, you go to your parents or you go to your spouse and you say, hey, I want to help you around the house with something, something, right? What can I help you with? Can you give me something to do? And then they give you a huge list of things to do. And they're like, here's the one thing. This is what Jesus did to this person. And Jesus said, if you would be perfect, go take all your stuff and sell it. Now, that would be hard enough, right? There are some things that are precious to us. We can't just sell that because it's invaluable. It's precious. It's priceless. But Jesus said, take that and sell it, which would already be a struggle. And then he said, take that money you get from selling your things. And then he said, go give it to who? To the poor. He said, take, sell your stuff. That's already tough. Take that money. Now give it away. That's going to be tough again because now you can't get anything back. Then you'll transfer earthly treasure to heavenly treasure. And then he says, what next? Come follow me. Jesus understood that this man's heart was so wrapped up in his treasure that he didn't just say, he could have easily said to this man, hey, come follow me. All you got to do is follow me. Why didn't Jesus say that? He could have done it. Do you think the man would have followed him? Of course he would have. Come follow me. The man would have said, okay, I'm following him. But would he have been a Christian? No, because his heart didn't change. So Jesus, getting to the heart issue, said, sell all your stuff and then follow me. Now, was the selling of all of his stuff what gave him salvation? No. The selling of the stuff didn't earn him salvation But it showed that his heart had changed and he was willing. It's an evidence. See, evidence as a Christian life, we look different and we act different. So if you don't see somebody living out a Christian life with evidence, that shows that they're probably not a follower of him. It's not our actions that make us Christians. It's our actions that prove we are. And so Jesus is saying to this young man, sell all your things and follow me. And then scripture, what does it say next? He went away sad. And you know the reason why he went away sad? It tells us. He went away sad because, why? Because he had great possessions. He went away sad, not because he had a desire to follow Jesus. Listen, we can have all the desire we want to follow him. But if that doesn't turn into action and we're willing to give it all up, then he says, you're not truly my disciple. And this is where the rubber meets the road and why the Bible says, I believe that many people are going to stand before him and he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you because many people follow after Jesus and they haven't had a changed heart. And Jesus is saying, sell your things. The man couldn't and he went away sad, even though he had a desire to follow him, but his heart showed otherwise because his treasure was where his heart is and his heart was where his treasure is. This leads to point number seven. The problem is not the treasure, but our unwillingness to part with it. The problem is not our stuff. It's our unwillingness to part with it. And that's why when we have such a desire for things or such a desire for this time to be spent here or for this addiction or for this certain lifestyle, Jesus does have an issue with that. And he focuses on it because, do you know why he focuses on that? Because he loves you. And because he sees it's not healthy for us. 
And so he pursues us and he wants to change our heart. That's why he's working in us even this morning. That's why he's working in this text as I'm studying it. Because he doesn't want us to be fixated on earthly treasure. Because it's going to pass away. He wants us to be focused on heavenly treasure that we'll be able to enjoy with him forever. I have another passage that's going to show the opposite of the rich young ruler. And that's Acts chapter 19. So if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 19. And while you're turning there, if you've been reading along in our Bible reading plan, you recently read this. So I encourage you, grab one of these and follow along with us as a church. There's so many things that we go through on this. So Acts chapter 19, verse 18, incredible, incredible story of what it means to follow him. It says this, also many of those who were now believers came. So new Christians, confessing and divulging their practices. So things that they used to have in their life, they became Christians. Their life radically looks different now. Verse 19, and a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found that it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. And after that, the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail Mightily. 50,000 pieces of silver. Do you know how much that is in today's money? Six million dollars. That in one day, the city came together, the new believers, they brought all of their things that weren't honoring to God and burned them. Six million dollars up in flames one day. Now, the world might look at that Some of us might look at that and say, that is foolish. Those books could have been sold. That money could have been used to do something incredible for God. But Jesus looks at it and he says, faithful. He looks at it and says, devoted are these people that they're willing to even give up finance and security in pursuit of me. And so this passage shows the opposite of the rich young ruler, that they were willing to give it up because their heart was not attached to those things. Their heart was attached to Jesus Christ. Our hearts, our minds, our lives, our words, our actions should be so wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ, what he has done for us, that the earthly treasure, we begin to look at it differently. This earthly treasure, it's not for myself anymore. It's really For his purpose. And a radical thought I've been thinking this week. We save and we invest and we work hard. What if I change my thinking that I do all of those things not for myself but for others? I want you to think about that this week. If you begin thinking I'm working hard to provide for somebody else. I'm working hard for others. And that was just something that God was talking to me about is Have you ever looked at your work that way? That you're doing this to glorify God more. That you're going to pursue him with more of your finance. You're going to pursue him with more of your time. With more of what you say your hobbies are. So our treasure should be so wrapped up into him. And we are thankful for what he's done for us. What he's continuing to do for us. So we as a church, we as a body of Christ, we need to continue to learn how to forsake things for him. Because he has forsaken everything, endured the wrath of God. And because of that, we are able to have eternity in heaven. A million years from now, we'll be able to be singing praises to him 
safe and secure, where there is nothing we have to worry about, no anxiousness, no tears, no crying because of what he's done. So I pray that this is something that has been encouraging to us, challenging, convicting, and I thank God for his word because he loves us. He shares these things with us. Let's pray. God, we do praise you for who you are. God, I thank you for your word. God, it is always a pleasure, an encouragement, a challenge, a conviction to read through your word and really take it to heart. God, I I thank you. You are concerned with my heart. God, I thank you that that, uh, you're concerned with all of our hearts because you ultimately know what is best for us. And I know we can easily, and I easily get sidetracked to earthly treasure because it's immediate. It provides immediate fulfillment. It's fun. God, you weren't against us enjoying earthly treasure, but you were against us pursuing it as an idol. And God, so help us as Christians to be, as your word says, to be able to commit ourselves to you as a servant, as a slave. God, that I am giving you my life. As we just sing, God, that my life is yours to give and I want to follow you. Take my life and do with it as you please. All I want to do is bring you glory. God, I thank you that we can be along the ride that we call this Christian life where we're able to bring you praise. God, we thank you for the many blessings you have given us and you continue to give us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.